Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Tip Top Tips Edgy with me, Mark Anderson, Head of Education at Net Support Group. And I'm really excited to welcome a previous guest onto the show today uh, to learn about and learn more about um, our new and latest award-winning product here at Net Supports, Classroom.Cloud. Uh, so welcome again to the show, Andy Earp. Welcome, Andy. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, very well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, I'm really, really good. Thank you. I'm so excited to learn more about Classroom.Cloud. It's been doing really well. It's won an award this last week, hasn't it? It's so great to see that uh, yeah. it's really hitting the uh, ground running in supporting schools. Uh, but you're here today to share um, some of the sort of, sort of technical parts and, and aspects um, about how you can set a variety of things up, aren't you? Uh, so uh, shall we jump sort of straight back into uh, straight back into that? Yeah, let's go for it. Cool. Okay. So the first question um, I've got for you really on here is how do I assign devices, um, sorry, device groups with Classroom Cloud? How do we go about doing that? Okay. So this is quite a, uh, an important thing to, to kind of mention. It's something we get asked about quite a bit. Now, it's important that you use um, device groups. Um, and one of the reasons for this is you can assign um, specific settings based on device groups. So you can do things such as uh, whether you want to disable the student chat feature or whether you want to apply custom messages for those devices in those specific groups. So mm -hmm. it's really important that you move devices um, once you deploy the uh, classroom cloud student to them uh, that you assign those to their relevant uh, groups um, and that is a process that you can do within the uh, the app and console so you can essentially do bulk assignments of devices or you can move them uh, individually to the required ones now if you don't uh, assign your device to device groups essentially they would sit in the unassigned um, device group um, right. which means that they would be classed as unlicensed so you wouldn't be connecting to those so it's really important that you go into your site in the in the product and actually assign those devices to the, uh, the relevant one uh, relevant groups and um, if you're using the uh, Microsoft and Google uh, integration that's included and um, you still need to um, create device groups and assign devices to those. Um, now, you won't need to link those to your class list because that's all handled as part of that integration. Um, but if you're not using those uh, those methods of integration uh, to bring up your classes, and when you create your classes and you want to assign those, um, essentially you need to link those two device groups. So it's really important that you go into the console and, and ensure that your devices are all, all assigned. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Andy. And if you're sitting there thinking, um, you know, well, that sounds great. Uh, how do I go about doing that? Don't worry. Uh, to go with this video, we've got support documents for you to sort of go through, which will talk you through all those different parts. Uh, so don't worry about uh, Andy not showing you how to, where, where to click and what to click on and all those different things. And uh, we've got resources for you to support you with all of those things. Don't worry about that. Uh, so the next question for you, Andy, is uh, related to um, people outside your organisation, I'm guessing. How do you invite users to your organisation in classroom.cloud? Yeah, sure. So, again, there's uh, a couple of different ways of doing this within the uh, within the product. Um, you can manually invite individual users and you can set their specific uh, role. Um, so you just would simply type in their, their email address and then what role and then what site you want to link them to. Alternatively, though, if you've got lots of users that you want to import, obviously you don't want to be having to send out manual invites to all of those individually. So it supports a method where you can have a CSV file that includes all of your um, users. And again, you just need to 
and put that in a format that would include information such as the uh, the title, name, email, um, the role, and the uh, type uh, and the site that you want to link that to, and then you can import that to do a a bulk invite if you like to your your staff members, um, and that's a much easier way of uh, of doing it. So you've got the the two kind of choices there. So you know if you've got a new member of staff, you could just send it out individually to them, but if you're yeah. you know it's first starting to set it up than the bulk one now when you go into the product there is actually a, a sample csv so you'll be able to see what format is required and that's really helpful for uh, for piecing that together uh, that's super useful it's great you got the option to do it manually for the one-off like you said for new member of staff or a cover teacher or somebody like that and when you're setting everything up in one go having that and, and having a template as well i guess is really really useful uh, yeah. just so everyone knows what needs to go where and how they fill it in and yeah. things that's really great to hear thank you so much andy uh, another question that uh, you regularly get, from what I understand, um, is how you can work with it and, and uh, sort of prepare screen prompt behaviour on Chrome devices. Can you share a bit about that, please? Yeah. So this is uh, quite a, a again. It's something that we do get asked now um, for Chrome devices. Um, you capture the entire uh, desktop where you're you're capturing everything from that device. The mm. downside of that is the constraint that is part of the Chrome operating system is that a prompt has to pop up on the students and they have to allow you to be able to then um, share their screen so you can then see it. And obviously not everybody wants that prompt to appear on the uh, students. So if you um, want to change the behavior, there is an option where you can revert it to just capturing the uh, browser uh, information. So if you just want to capture that without the prompt appearing on the students, then there is an option uh, that you can specify on the device groups to allow you to, uh, to toggle between uh, between that for your Chrome devices. So it's something that we, we make people aware of because obviously, not everybody wants to see that uh, that screen prompt, so it is configurable, but there is change in behavior when you do that. So no prompt, but you'll only be able to see the browser tabs, but if you uh, are happy with the prompt, you'll be able to capture the entire desktop of those devices. Brilliant, thank you. I guess that's really important as well, when you're thinking about some younger students, they might not understand what the prompt means, uh, what to do, how to respond to it, those sorts of things as well. So I guess that removes that uh, sort, of, sort of concern you might have about whether it actually worked for you in, in your sort of setting as well, wouldn't it? Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, right, next uh, up, we've got a question about what privacy options are available with inside classroom.cloud. So what privacy options are available? <laughs> Yes, again, there are uh, a number of different options available. Um, so you can specify your school hours. Um, so you can choose when teachers are permitted to uh, connect to the uh, student devices. So you can specify that. So anything outside of those hours and the teachers won't be able to connect to those. Um, you can also specify your term dates. Um, so you can um, add all that information to the product. And then again, devices falling outside of those term dates will not be accessible by the, uh, the teachers using the software. Um, and then there's also um, network uh, restrictions as well. So mm. you can say only allow um, certain IP addresses, so only allow connections to students when they are connecting from a defined address. And you can also do that for wireless networks as well. So only allow um, students when they are connected to the following wireless networks. So again, any um, that fall outside of that category, you wouldn't be permitted to connect to. So that's really important. Now, that also goes in with some of the other device group settings where you can specify custom messages to appear on the student devices. 
to show when you're uh, connected. Um, and also there is a accept connection feature. So, you know, maybe if you've got, um, you know, older students um, and you do want them to have a, a prompt appear, um, then you can have the accept uh, connections option set for them via the device groups as well. So again, there's there's a kind of a number of, uh, uh, of settings that you can choose to ensure that you've got your privacy uh, options configured as you need. That's really interesting. I, I, I bet that's really uh, sort of a big deal, a, a big discussion point for homeschooling as well. So when uh, yeah. uh, children are having to sort of learn from home, perhaps their bubbles had to close, and, and or uh, as we've seen recently in lockdown, um, I, as a parent myself, I, I wouldn't want my child's device to be monitored and all the sort of stuff outside of school hours. Uh, they're knowing my children, everyone watch their videos on Fortnite and all the rest of it, but it perhaps wouldn't want their teachers to know what they're up to. Uh, and things and, and it's incumbent on parents as well to be sort of tracking and, and keeping an eye on the, you know, their, their children's usage uh, outside of school too uh, it's useful though I mean often it's shared devices at home too so it might be that you know mum's doing some Ocado shopping or something like this and and they'd have worries and concerns well is, is the school still connected so it's really great that those privacy options are, are there and available and really transparent as well uh, making sure that um, all sort of key stakeholders know what's uh, happening and when and all those different things. That's really great to learn that. Thank you so much, Andy. Uh, the, the, the last question we've got for you today is about deployment methods uh, for your clients. Now, Clashing Cloud doesn't just work on a Chrome, but does it works on lots of different devices. So uh, I'm guessing that sort of relays into the question here about the virtual variety of deployment methods that are available. It certainly does. So at the minute, we've got a, a Windows student and obviously we've got the, the Chrome extension as well. More to come in the future. Um, but for those uh, agents that we've got at the moment, um, so for Windows, there are a, a number of different ways that you can deploy out the, uh, the student to your devices. Um, you've got the Active Directory Group Policy uh, deployment, which we've got some uh, details on how to do that. You could push that out with uh, SCCM as well. Alternatively, there's a guide on how you could uh, distribute that using uh, Microsoft Intune. Um, and to go with those, uh, especially for the uh, domain joined devices, you can also, we've got some AGMX template files today to configure the options. So such mm -hmm. as setting your account ID, your region and your site. So information that tells a student where to point back to. So you can um, configure that, which helps with uh, essentially uh, managing the Windows devices. Uh, for Chrome OS, it's deployment via the, uh, the Google Admin Console. Um, again, that would be uh, a configuration applied via a, a JSON file to allow you to do that centrally as well. And um, so again, nice and simple, and there's plenty of uh, steps and screenshots on the site to, uh, to detail how to do that. Oh, fantastic. Well, that's, that, we've covered so much in such a short space of time, but it's fantastic to hear and, and learn all these different things and, and the, the sort of additional functionality that sort of sits behind the product as well. As I shared at the beginning of the session, uh, all the things that Andy has shared uh, today, uh, you can find in the article that goes with this and in the show notes. If you're just watching straight on YouTube, this information will be in the show notes. Uh, with links through to all the different documentation that can help you uh, undertake the different tasks that Andy's explained in each of those different questions we've shared with you today. Right, Andy, uh, I look forward to meeting up with you again for another chat uh, about some of our uh, amazing products here at NetSupport. But for now, thanks so much for joining me for Tip Top Tips Edu, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks so much, Andy. Take care. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Cheers.